Hey, Tori, you there? Hey. Everything good? Everything's good. You excited? I'm excited. You ready to get this started? Yep. All right. Hello all and welcome back to You Don't Say. And I'm your host, Jeremiah, also known as Jay. And today we're going to be talking about any and everything with our guest, LaToya Palmer. She's an Army veteran, an author of four best-selling children's books, a poet, a publicist, a singer, a songwriter, an entrepreneur who has a lot to say. And today's show is going to be jam-packed with all kinds of emotions. And I'm glad that you're here to join us where you choose your words and your voice is heard. A place where real talk is welcome. Hey, Latoya Palmer, thanks for joining us today, tonight. It's about uh, 9.32 at night on a Saturday evening. It's kind of rainy outside, and uh, I know you have a busy schedule, but I'm very glad you decided to join us on the show, and I know it could not be easy, given what I know about you, that I want my listeners to know about you. Uh, I know it's hard for you to fit us into your schedule. So before we get into some of the questions, let's um, let's talk about let, let, let the listeners know a little bit about yourself. Can you tell me a little bit about you and, and, and some of the things that you've done in your life? Uh, yes. Um, thanks for having me, first of all, on the show. I'm excited. Um, a little bit of things about me. I'm an author. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm a grant writer. Um, I'm a publicist. Um, that's just a few things that I do. Uh, I'm a web designer. Yeah. So that's the Okay. So, so what, what is your current profession right now? My current profession? Uh, I'm actually an author. Um, I work at a community center. I'm in the administrative executive of the Bird Center here in Gretna, Virginia. I write grants for there. Um, every grant I have written has been approved. Uh, I've never had one not to be approved. So that's what I do right wow. now. Wow. So um, you, did you mention, uh, you mentioned that you were in the military? Yeah, I was in the military. Um, I did eight years in the U.S. Army. I'm medically retired. Okay. Um, did you deploy at all? I did. I did deploy. I deployed twice. I went to Iraq and Afghanistan. Where, where were you stationed at? I was stationed at Fort Bragg for the majority of my career. I've also been at Fort Gordon, um, Fort Jackson, uh, to name a few. Hmm. So if, tell me what was your favorite duty station that you were stationed at? Favorite duty station would definitely be Fort Bragg. Fort Bragg. Why Fort Bragg? <laughs> um, it was just so much to do. And I met so many people there. And it was like the meeting, the meeting place. So everybody would always come there. Like for trainings and different things. So I learned a lot. I had a lot of amazing mentors while I was there. That's why. So isn't Fort Bragg a, um, an airborne airborne installation? Yes, it is. It really is. Yes, sir. Did, did did they sucker you into going airborne? 
Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about that. Um, as you know, that I, I spent um, some time at Fort Bragg and I was airborne as well. And I could tell you some stories about my first jump uh, in jump school and um, uh, being at Fort Bragg, uh, the jumps that they have there. Um, but what was the scariest part about jumping out of a perfectly good airplane for you? The scariest part was standing at the door and they push you even if you don't want to jump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I remember about uh, standing in the door and looking out, it looked kind of picturesque. It, it almost looked fake. It did. Yeah. It's crazy. You ever have any night jumps? Yes, I did. Yeah. After my first uh, two jumps, after that, it became e easier. I love the feeling of flying, you know. But the first one, once you get over that initial fear, then it becomes easier. Well, I got to be honest with you. Uh, I was air defense, so me jumping out of planes, um, I, I didn't carry the Stinger missile. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sometimes I would volunteer to carry it. And it, with all that equipment on, your rucksack, I would get to the point where I was glad to fall out of that door because you don't walk <laughs> out you literally fall out um but yeah I had some scary jumps too and <clears throat> excuse me I had some scary jumps too and it was um yeah actually pretty scary I was actually out there on the drop zone for like six hours um trying to take care of somebody who had broke their leg who fell wow. in the ravine trying to get some help but um, a lot of my jumps were night jumps and I don't mean because it was dark outside. I mean, because I closed my eyes. Yeah. So I'm sure you had a couple of those. I did. So we're going to move on to the next topic. So tell me about the books that you have written and how many is that again? I have four books. I'm working on my fifth. Um, they are, I have three children's books, which are God's Big Crew. The Blessing Bucket, and Flies Have Ears. And then I also have a poetry book called Broken Crayons Still Colored. And the book that I'm working on right now is called A Slave to Sin. It's actually my life story. Mm, your life story. Wow. That's going to be interesting because a lot of people, you're brave. I'll tell you that. A lot of people don't um, want to put themselves out there on display like that. Um, so with the other books that you, the ones that you've already written, I'm not going to spoil it for the fifth book that you're writing because I don't, I know you uh, being an author and all, you don't want to reveal um, any uh, information about that yet. But the first four books, <coughs> excuse me, the first four books, I apologize, Latoya. Um, I'm, I'm coming off of a cold and um, so I'm, I'm trying to, trying to maintain my coughing. But anyhow, your first four books that you have, um, tell me what inspired you to write them by each title. What 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 inspired you to come up with the title and the content of each book? Okay, well, we'll start with Flies Have Ears because it was actually my first book. Me and my cousin, Sharice Davenport, we were working with the kids, the youth or whatever, and we wanted to have them understand or be able to hear from God and know that they could actually communicate with God. And so the concept of flies, because, you know, people always said that concept of fly, if I could be a fly on the wall, like you could hear. So I was like, what if flies had ears? And so that's what we decided to name the book. And in using that title, we started to teach children, like God is listening to everything you do. 
He's just like that fly on the wall. So be careful the things that you say, you know? So that was that concept of uh, flies have ears. And then when we got to God's pit crew, it was about you being able to communicate with God back, knowing that even though you're different, you stand out in the world. Uh, God created you uniquely to be you. And he's able to hear you. Not only does he want to listen to you, but he wants you to speak back. And then when we got to the blessing bucket, it teaches children how to give. Because there's a company here in Danville called God's Pit Crew, actually. And they have this program called the Blessing Bucket. So we wrote the book for them. And it is teaching children to give back to the world. And in the Blessing Bucket, you put stuff in the Blessing Bucket. So when you start to read the book, you realize that you have two buckets who are empty. And then you have their parents who are full and they're like, how do we get like you? And they're like, it ain't about what you do. It's about who you give to. So that's where that concept came from. And then the fourth book, Broken Crayons, Still Colored. It's a poetry book. Throughout my life, I've always written poetry. And my aunt Vicky used to tell me when I was younger, we used to color. And she gave me these crayons. They were really super thick because I used to break my cousin Adrian's crayons. They were really small. And one day she bought Adrian some new ones and I still had the big ones. So I was coloring with Adrian's and I broke them. And uh, and Vicky said, you broke them crayons, Toy. I was like, how would you know that I broke the crayons? She said, because only you color that heavy. She said, that's why I gave you the bigger ones. And I was like, well, can I get some small ones? She said, no, you can either color with the big ones or color with the broken ones until you learn how to color. And so that's how I became an artist. That's what made me learn to draw and do all those things because I wanted to learn how to do it. So I learned it on broken pieces, just like life. Wow. Interesting. So let, let me unpack this for a few minutes. So the first book, you're, you're basically saying that uh, be careful because you're all something somebody well god is always watching you yes and the second one um with the broken pieces i, I like how your aunt vicky um gave you that idea or she came up with the idea she must have really been paying attention to you if she gave you like bigger crayons were they like the kindergarten crayons yes because you are able to color heads with them, <laughs> but they never put what you want on the paper that's how it teaches you when you color some um lighter with those colors that's what impacts the page the color and i never knew that until i started to focus the harder i colored with those big crayons it wouldn't color but the lighter you color the more color comes out <laughs> wow so the art the art that you you like to draw um is it like interpretive art or, or is it art that you're feeling help me understand um, I, um the type of art that you 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 draw I do a little bit of everything. I can draw anything that I see. But when I paint, I paint like whatever I'm feeling, like the colors I'm feeling. Like I, I can do either. So in your books, the, the illustrations that you give in there, is that your content or did you get a publisher or someone to help you do that? It's both. I um, illustrated some of them and then we also have another illustrator her name is belinda wilkerson she is absolutely awesome okay so the so you want to pick up what a third book is and talk about that a little bit um yes um well i read i told you about the first one which was flies have ears the second one was god's pit crew where you are talking to god now 
you're not only waiting. Okay, so one of the concepts in the book, God's Pit Crew, they have a spare tire. So they're on a racetrack, like there is that's how the concept of the book is. And this boy is saying, I feel like I'm the spare tire. And he's having a conversation with God, and God is like, It's okay to be the spare tire. And he was like, No, because people don't know I exist until they need me. And he said, and God is really telling him, but it shows that you will be needed. You're even more important than the regular tire because if the regular tire goes out, what are they going to do? They need you. You know what? That's absolutely true because you take for granted, you know, you got all four tires in your car that came with your car and you're driving around or whatever. And, you know, something happens to it. And the whole time you're driving, you're not even concerned with the spare tire in the back. And then your tire goes flat and you, you, you panic and you don't have a, a, another real tire. You, you, then you remember your spare tire and that spare tire is what gets you through that rough patch. That's, That's pretty true. slick. I like yep. that. Thank you. So do you, how long does it take you to, to think about these topics or work through the creative process to be like, you know what, I'm going to, is it that you look at life and then you just really pay attention to the voice of God and you just, you know, because it's all about application. You it just take everything is. in life and just find a way to marry it to um, your, li- your life and God. I do. I really do. I don't think that I've always been that way knowingly. Um, I've always seen things differently and understood things differently. Um, you wouldn't even believe this if I told you, but I graduated high school with a 1.9 GPA. I was told that I wouldn't accomplish anything. I was told I was the lesser and I believed it. They told me I had a problem with comprehension and understanding. And I ended up joining the military. And after joining the military, the military gives you a sense of you can be who you want to be. Like, I don't have to be who the world told me I could be, you know? So then you start seeing different walks of life and different people. And you realize, like, it's okay to think the way I think. Just because you want to put everybody in a box, it don't mean they belong there. So when I learned that I didn't belong in the box, when I learned that I was a a circle trying to fit into a box, I started thinking like a circle. And when I realized I started to think like a circle, I went to college and the same person who graduated with a 1.9 GPA was in college with a 3.4 GPA. You know what? That, that, that's amazing. Cause that's kind of sort of my walk as well. And granted, I didn't finish high school at 1.9 and I'm not taking that from you. You still graduated, <laughs> <laughs> but um, being in the military, that, that aspect of in there, you, you're right. It, it, it changes your outlook on life in, in general. So I look at I look at how the world is and I look at the world of politics. Let's just use that for example. Everybody's either Democrat, Republican, or independent, or whatever they want to be uh, as far as a party affiliation. But in, in you know, or black or white, Chinese or Asian, let me be PC correct here, Asian or Hispanic. Um, and they they try to create divides and you know, cliques or what do you want to call it? Sectors mm-hmm. uh, inside those those realms. But in the military, everybody's the same color. You all wear green we or whatever the green. uniform of the day is. We yeah, and you got to work together. There is yeah. no race. There is no no divide. Now, granted, you have your little 
you know, your friend group or whatever the case may be. But when push come to shove awesome. and the missions got to get done, all that other stuff is pushed to the side. That's true. And I, you know, that has changed my outlook on life, too. You know, my wife, she looks at me with certain things and she's like, that doesn't bother you. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with it. You know, and actually kind of retarded me in a sense because someone could do something to me and I, I won't even the average person, it, it would offend them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't hit me until somebody brings it to my attention or or uh, I think about it. And I'm like, wait a minute, that person was trying to crack a joke. But the military has hardened me in a it, sense to where I just focus on what needs to get done and get done. I don't worry about the, the things on the outside. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So your your fourth book, tell, tell me a little bit about that. Okay. So <coughs> the blessing bucket was the book where we wrote for God's Pit Crew. So God's Pit Crew and Danville, they have this this program where they give to people in times of disaster, um, hard times, they build up their houses and they do all this. And they had these buckets that they created called the blessing buckets. And with the blessing buckets, they would give back, they would send them out so people could fill them up. And like they'd be at Walmart and all kinds of places, you fill them up and they send them out to people. Like when the flood came in Texas, they were the first ones there to help restore what was going on and God used them for that mission. So then we wrote a book for them, which was written before the flood. And in the book, we we used a flood as a way of showing disaster. And so in, when we showed it, we had the buckets asking their parents how to be filled like them. And it was really just telling them it's not about who you are but it's about being able to give It's not trying to fill yourself up, but using others to fill you up and being able to give out to others. It's a book about learning to share and not be selfish with what you have. You, you, you know what? Um, there is a, a, in Matthew, I, I don't want to, you know, make this a religious conversation, but this is a podcast about any and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Matthew, the Beatitudes, he he spoke of what well, Jesus spoke of the salt of the earth, mm-hmm. and um, just so happened this past Sunday, my I, I preached two sermons uh, down in D.C. and it was about the salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. And what I was trying to get the congregation to understand or the church to understand is, you're worthless by yourself. Yeah, you know the church together as a collection of believers, basically, mm-hmm. they're the ones who um, together. You know, they're the ones who, when they share and, and be filled, they fill each other up, like you said, with the flood, you know, they help each other out. And, and that's how you uh, uh, survive this world and, and glorify the Lord. That makes sense to you? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was a good sermon, but we're not talking about that right now. I mean, it's not what we what we're on here talking about. We're talking about Latoya Palmer. <laughs> All right. So. uh What is a crazy but true fun fact about you? Latoya, you still there? Yes. Could you repeat that? Yeah. What what was a what is a crazy but true fun fact about you? Crazy but true fun fact about me is I'm allergic to the snow. 
where do you live again? I live in Virginia. I grew up in Virginia. We played in the snow. I ate snow. <laughs> and I don't know, um, 2007, I was in Georgia and it snowed. And when the snow began to fall, it began to put webs on my face. It was burning my skin. So I had to go to the hospital. And when I went to the hospital, they was like, maybe it's something you ate. So, uh, you know, tried to make sure I wrote down everything I ate. And then another snow fell and it did the same thing. So the doctors took ice and they put it on my arm and let it sit. And when they let it sit at, it put a whip on my arm and began to burn it. And so they was like, we think you have something rare. It's called cold-induced urticaria, but we have to test more for it. And I was like, okay. So throughout my military career, I've gotten tested for it over and over again. And so we found out that is exactly what I have. Cold-induced urticaria, extreme cold weather allergy. I, I don't know about you, Tori, but that sound made up to me. <laughs> I sound made up to everybody until they <laughs> see me in the snow. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's crazy because I mean to be allergic to to the cold, to snow. Mm-hmm. What do you do in the winter? I mean, you still live in an area that has snow, and Virginia sometimes gets a lot of blizzards. Well, you stay inside the house, you go outside in like a snowsuit. Uh, I'm gonna go to the mailbox, honey, and you just walk outside in a snowsuit. No, actually, a lot of my life I haven't. Since I've had this allergy, I don't be in Virginia in the winter. I normally be in Florida or California, places like that. But the last two winters, I have been in Virginia. But I take a medication during the wintertime, too. I have to take prednisone, which is a steroid. And I have to take Atarax, which is another um, medication that's really extreme. It's like a higher dosage of Benadryl, basically. And I have mm-hmm. to take it all year long. To Jeez. So, to you, so it's not seasonal. You got to take it like every single day. I supposed to take it every single day, but I don't. I take it most every day in the winter. I definitely take it every day. But one thing they said, you allergies can come and go like anything. But the fact it could get worse, like it could become where I can't even drink ice cold water because it could close my throat up. So that's why they had me to take it every day. But I don't. I, I believe in prayer and healing. So. So, so the next time we meet in person and we go out to eat and I'm going to order, we're going to order our food and I'm going to order my drink mm-hmm. and then I'm going to order you a hot glass of water. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy to me. That That is, that is like, wow. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So since we got a fun fact about you, um, what topic is important to you that you would like to discuss that you rarely get a chance to talk about? What topic would I like to discuss? Hmm. I would say the topic of mental health, mental oh. health and suicide. Is it just personal experience or you, you, what makes you feel qualified? Um, to talk about this definitely personal experience uh also i've seen many of my friends you know suffer with depression i've seen people in the military i've seen people commit suicide all those things you know and i think it's a very i think it was a very taboo conversation to talk about but i think that it's so prevalent during this generation and especially around this time of the year you start to find out more and more people um, are killing themselves or just depressed they're suffering missing family members things like that and I believe if we talk more about it 
will be okay to go help somebody. I believe people are afraid to help others in that situation because they don't want to bring up the topic. But what if you brought it up and you saved a life? That's a good point. That's a good point. So, you know, you I like that what you said, especially in this generation, because this is a generation that we're we're seeing right now that are really coming up protected and coddled and they haven't experienced anything and they you know they're usually offended by a lot of things Mm -hmm. you know and you know i just i just read the other day and my uh daughter was telling me uh today that oh they removed the the likes or the number count on instagram Mm -hmm. and that she you know i read the article and it didn't make sense to me it was but apparently there was a study that was done they were saying that you know psychologically uh people are you know they feel a certain way and get depressed because you know they don't they're not receiving a lot of likes and i was like that's crazy you know but then my wife she stepped in she was like well jeremiah when you get um when you get a lot of when you get a lot of likes how does that make you feel and i was like it's make it makes me feel good she was like well you can't be saying that that's crazy when on the opposite side you know a person feels depressed or sad because they're not getting a lot of likes, but you, on the other hand, you feel happy when you get a lot of likes. And I, you know, it made sense, but I just don't understand that it would drive people to the point of, you know, what they want to hurt themselves or harm themselves. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I mean, you know, I see things from a very open perspective. Um, me with the Instagram like thing, definitely we do love that we got a lot of likes. Most people do. But I also believe uh, there was a quote I read one time. It says, we learn more. We learn more in failure than we ever will in success. And I believe that the failure of not getting those likes will teach me to change something up to get the likes. You know, you so it's, 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 it's kind of like in a sense, I, 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 I think I'm tracking with you here. It, in a sense, it, it helps you perfect your craft or what you're it trying does. to convey. Definitely. And I believe that we as a people, and I say we because we're all the world. We are all who we are. So I can't leave me out. I believe that we call a generation and we're not teaching them hard work. We're not teaching them it's okay to fail, but what did you learn in that failure? Um, Like one of the things I really didn't like that changed, you know, how they give everybody participation ribbon. Now, it, um, yes, you participated, but did you win? And I'm not yeah. saying everything is about winning, but what does it give you? What does it make you strive for? How are you striving for better if you're still stuck on the, well, I got a ribbon for participating? I believe that is comforting a world that needs to grow up. It's you like always what? giving a baby milk, but you know eventually it's going to need meat. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's funny you mentioned I got two things I wanted to say about this topic. Okay, so um, Sarah, my my five-year-old, she uh, got an award Mm -hmm. uh, the other day, a a kindness award. Now, granted, I was thinking, okay, she got a kindness award. I guess all the kids in the class are going to get something. Mm -hmm. So I came into the classroom and it was like, it's a classroom about maybe 12 kids. Mm -hmm. And... um, Sarah got an award and maybe four other kids got an award. And, you know, the type of award she was giving out was perfect attendance, kindness, 
never giving up award uh, awards like that. And I was like, okay, um, I guess she's going to give all the kids the award, an award, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I told my wife, I said, you know, I really appreciated that because the teacher before the award ceremony, she explained to the kids because it's a kindergarten class. She explained to them. She said, remember, all of you are not going to get an award. Maybe next quarter you'll get an award, but you're not going to get one this time. And what do we say when people get an award? We have to congratulate them. And the kids were like, yes, we'll, we'll clap for them and say congratulations and stuff like that. So she was really good about it. Mm-hmm. But I think that she fostered in this class, at least um, she fostered an environment that, OK, I just have to work harder to do exactly. get an award. It wasn't just a participation to make you feel good. And I appreciated that. Now, granted, Sarah, next quarter, Sarah may not win the award, Mm -hmm. but I know Sarah is going to be like, congratulations to the other kid. I'm happy you got the award. Exactly. Plus to me. And to to back up a little bit about what you were talking about. um, So, you know, you know, kids are scared to fail or uh, so. So here's a, a thing that I tell my children all the time. Mm-hmm. And it has worked wonders because I have beat this in their head, not literally, but, you know, I've mm-hmm. talked to them about this quite a bit. Yeah. I said, the world looks at you in a way that if you're like, say, for instance, you're playing a, playing a sport or something mm-hmm. and they want you to get better at a certain thing in that sport. But. And, and if you look at life in that way, it, you everybody looks at, OK, well, you need to do better in this because this is going to make you better. But I always tell my kids, I said, look, stop focusing on getting better at something. You can do something, but you, if you're not going to be the best at it. Do do as as best as you can with mm-hmm. with whatever you're trying to do. But everybody's been given a gift. That gift that you have is what you will be successful at, because that's what you've been given. Focus mm-hmm. on what you've been given. Stop trying to always, oh, get stressed out because you can't, you can't tie the perfect knot or you can't run that way the fastest or whatever. You've been given a gift. Focus on, or you can't, math is not your strong suit, but science and history is your strong suit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I I, I completely understand, but but I tell my kids that, and ever since I started telling them that when they were younger and I'm trying to get Sarah in that mindset right now, um, And so she can grow up with that, awesome. that mindset as well. And, uh, and I believe that it, it really helped my kids. And I heard my wife repeating it uh, one time before to them in a different way, um, which, you know, helps them feel better about moving forward in, in whatever they're trying to do. Not that they give up on what something they should be doing or something they should be learning. They do their best and they get the get to the point where they can be successful at it. But they've been given a gift and other avenues in which they will be excellent at. You know what I mean? That's so true. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says your gift will make room for you. It's not saying your other people's gift will make room for you. So it says your gift will make room for you. And you know, my pastor, he has this quote he always say. He say, don't do more, do better. And I believe if we learn to do better at what we already got and stop trying to do more, the, the more will come. I, I find that I find that funny what your pastor said because my five year old. So I was doing something, and I and I dropped I dropped something on the floor. I think it was a, uh, 
I was peeling an orange for her or help teach her, showing her how to peel an orange. And I dropped one of the orange slices on the floor. And she was like, dad, I was like, what, Sarah? She's like, do better. It, it, <laughs> what you said reminds me, reminded me of that. I apologize, but. No, that was- is funny. Do better. <laughs> wow. All right. So we're going to, we're going to close this up in a, in a few minutes, but I want to know for my listeners out there, if there's one piece of advice you can impart on the audience, what would it be? This would be, I would tell the world to teach everybody you come in contact with everything you know. And the reason I say that is because when you teach someone something you know, not only does it teach you to do it better, but it starts to make room for you. And you never know when you'll forget that very thing. And somebody you taught will come back and save you. So it behooves us to teach everybody everything we know, because we'll never know in the end, but we'll need that very thing we taught. Wow. Wise and powerful words. All right. So Toya, Latoya, I'm sorry. I appreciate you coming on and it was, it was an honor to have you on the show today. And I hope that sometime in the future we'll get you back on here in your busy schedule. Um, so do you have any websites before we go that you want to share with the audience or any book signings coming up? Or I know you have your fifth book that you're writing or, or give us a timeline when you think that will be complete. Um, my fifth book should be complete by the beginning of the year. Um, my website is LatoyaSPalmer.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Latoya Palmer. You can find me on Instagram. Um, at Latoya Palmer. Everything's Latoya Palmer. Okay, Latoya Palmer it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to You Don't Say with your host Jeremiah and our guest star Latoya Palmer. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. And if you want to know more, check out my platform at anchor.fm. You don't say or find us on any of the podcasting sites or your social media sites. Also, I want to let you know that uh, you can find us that some of the podcasting sites that you can find us on will be Google Podcasts, iTunes or I, uh, I, Apple Podcasts, uh, Pocket Cast. Those are just to name a few, but it'll be there. Um, and and I hope that you join us next week when we talk about any and everything. And for you coffee lovers out there, this is not your average cup of J. Have a good night. Good night. <laughs>